Again, uh, good morning, uh, morning everyone. Uh, it's good to uh, again be on this prayer line, um, to be in fellowship with one one another. Um, I pray that uh, sometime soon here we'll be able to actually be in the same room um, instead of being uh, on the phone call together. Um, but this is this is good. Um, certainly. The alternative of not being able to uh, to fellowship with one another would be a lot worse. So, um, all glory be to God, and even in times of distress, we, we can still find uh, God's blessings. Uh, this morning, I want to talk about um, <clears throat> uh, nature, nature and nurture. And, and again, I'm not a psychologist or anything along those lines. I'm you know, I'm just a a humble servant who who knows a little bit. Um, so I'm not gonna, you know, delve into the uh, or speak as if I'm an expert in in all things relative to why humans do what they do. But having lived as a human for the past forty some odd four and a, forty and a half years, um, I have some insights on what I what what causes me and what motivates me to do certain things. And, and I would say that uh, um, being self-aware, and I, and I, I remember I, I talked about this probably four Sundays, four or five Sundays ago, being self-aware, being cognizant, being mindful of what's going on in your body, um, or rather in your mind, is, is an, an important um, attribute uh, of a Christian. Um, I know that it certainly comes with maturity. So if you're you're a young Christian or a babe in Christ and you haven't fully come to uh, be aware of what's going on inside your mind, that's, that's okay. It will come. Um, but what I mean by being aware is when you are, when, when you feel as if you are drawn away from God, or certainly when those temptations that Satan puts in your path um, would entice you to walk away from the light, being cognizant of what motivation, being cognizant of the reasons why Satan is using that particular uh, temptation as a wedge between you and God is, is really important. Um, some people, um, you know, have uh, an issue with food. Uh, some people may have uh, an issue with, um, you know, all sorts of uh, different things, you know, drugs and, and alcohol and, and money and, and whatever the case may be. Um, but it's important, again, an important attribute of a Christian to be able to uh, be self-aware, to understand, you know, what environments, what uh, what circumstances bring about those um, those feelings or those temptations, those desires to do things contrary to the will of God. Um, some of us, and, and I've stated this before, that, uh, and again, I'm, I'm not an expert, I'm not a psychologist, psychiatrist, I'm just explaining to you um, what I've come to know about myself and what the scripture has revealed to me about Thomas Garner is that <clears throat> Satan is always, is, is ever present. Um, and he uses any and all opportunities um, to leverage the weakness 
and the, uh, the desires of the flesh as a wedge between myself and my God. Um, when I'm tired or when I'm stressed out, um, and, and those are manifest themselves in a number of ways physically, Satan in his, in his it, with, and I'm, and I'm going to use the word nature, um, is always there to present an opportunity for Thomas Garner um, to separate himself from God uh, via the temptations of the flesh. And so what I want to talk about this morning is whether or not um, those specific weaknesses that I have are a byproduct of my upbringing or are they a byproduct of my genetics. And uh, there's, there's a number of different uh, you know, philosophers and, and biologists out there who you know, use this topic uh, in a number of different ways to support a number of different viewpoints. Um, I'm sure you've heard that, you know, the statement that uh, alcoholis alcoholism is a, is a disease. Um, but the question is, is that a disease of, uh, of your genetics or is it a disease of, uh, or rather, is it a disease of your nature or is it a disease um, that is created um, out of the decisions that you made of the mind? And again, I, I don't know the the heads or tails of that but there's one thing that i do know that regardless of whether um the temptation or the the weaknesses that you have or that i have whether it is a function of my genetics or the function of my nature the common result of those two things will be eternal damnation it doesn't matter if, if you are genetically predisposed to um, overindulge in eating fudge, whatever that case may be, um, if it is a transgression of the will and the commandments of God, it is considered sin. Um, we know that to be the case, that uh, sin is a transgression of the laws of God. And there are only two laws that, um, that uh, the New Testament Scripture hinges upon. Um, and that uh, the first commandment is to love God with all of your uh, with all of your uh, your mind, body, and spirit with all of your might. Um, the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. Love is the fundamental um, will of God, um, and that love that we are commanded to to show amongst our our families and even extended out to our enemies is is the godly love or agape love and that is a love of self-sacrifice uh, the love that god shows us that's you know kind of outlined in john three sixteen, is the same type of love that we must typify in each of our lives so i get back to uh to sin um <clears throat> just for a second <clears throat> um is sin something that is ingrained in our genetics or is it uh, something that we learn in the course of, of living our lives? Again, whether you believe one or the other, the result of sin is still the same. If you have your Bibles this morning, um, we'll be reading from uh, the book of Genesis, the sixth chapter. And uh, that was our scripture reading this morning. And we'll be um, looking at... Um, 
couple things that uh, are written there. Now again, um, God <clears throat> um, God, the Word, and the Spirit um, were together in the beginning. And um, as we know, the Scripture says that uh, um, God, after He had created the earth and He created the, the plants and, and, and all of the, the animals that existed on the planet, He said, let us make man um, in our image. And it's interesting that the plural is, is used there. Because all of the things that were necessary uh, to make man a, a, living, um, a living person or a living spirit um, all existed at the same moment in time, um, at the beginning of all things, um, as you can read there in the first uh, you know, four or five chapters of the, of the book of Genesis. Um, but after a time, obviously we know that uh, man fell from grace by... Um, uh, transgressing the will of God, and again, you know the the topic could say, you know, is, you know, was it uh, in man's nature to desire to eat things or to do things that are forbidden? I don't know, um, and to some degree, it's irrelevant, <clears throat> um, because the result of their sin was the same. Um, Adam and Eve were expelled uh, from the garden. Um, and they were cursed. Uh, the woman was cursed with uh, being in subjugation to the man um, and going through pain, uh, going through the pain of childbirth. And the, and the man was also cursed with being subjugated to the earth um, and to having to, to work with the sweat of his brow in order to get the earth to do what he wanted it to do and thus provide for his family. In Genesis, the sixth chapter, um, again, after some, certainly some years, I don't know how long, but um, certainly some time and past multiple generations um, had lived and died between Adam and Noah. And it says that uh, the men of, men and women of, of different backgrounds, uh, certainly the sons of God looked upon the, the daughters of men. Uh, those that were chosen looked upon the, the daughters of the unchosen. And they began to uh, cohabitate and uh, marry and have children. Um, and as a result of this commingling of the chosen and the unchosen, the righteous and the unrighteous, the godly and the ungodly, uh, it says in verse number 3 that the Lord, uh, the Lord said that my spirit will not always strive with men, for that he is also flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. And it's interesting that uh, um, God in, in this exact verse here uh, distinguishes between the genetic flesh of mankind, this, this thing that we have no choice in the matter. I mean, my, my height, my, my, uh, my, you know, my musculature, um, the density of my bones, uh, the color of my skin were, were all things that were predetermined um, by my genetics. But he says that my spirit shall not always strive with man. And, and we'll talk about that in a second, that the spirit of God is really the, the nurturing um, or the indwelling of, of, of God that <clears throat> 
exists in all mankind. Um, but we can get rid of that. We can lose sight of that. And certainly man did that. Um, for Jesus said that his spirit was only going to strive with man temporarily um, because of the uh, because of this other thing that existed in man, um, which was the flesh. This is even made more clear if you have your Bible in Genesis, the sixth chapter <clears throat> in verse number 13 or verse number 12 of Genesis, the sixth chapter. He says, And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And, you know, as, as, we're, as we look at this flesh and use this, you know, kind of as a, as, a, um, as a base for our discussion this morning in the scripture, that flesh has an opportunity to be corrupted. And how do we corrupt our flesh? Um, we know that uh, fornication... Um, as Jesus said, is a sin against the body. Um, and, and what is fornication? Fornication is, is sexual immorality. Taking what God has created it and using it in a fashion that is not in line with God's true intentions. That's why um, homosexuality in the book of Deuteronomy is considered an abomination because, um, in Leviticus and other places in the Old Testament, um, homosexuality is a um, is <clears throat> is sexually immoral um, because that is not the way God intended mankind to use the body. And if you don't, uh, and if you don't think there's a reference in the New Testament, you can go and look at uh, what is it, uh, Romans, the first chapter, um, where God talks. Where excuse me, uh, <clears throat> Luke. Uh, writes in the book of Romans, uh, the first chapter, how um, how men at that time worshipped the creator, worshipped the creature more than the creator. They, uh, uh, Paul, excuse me, Paul, Paul wrote in the book of Romans <clears throat> again how that mankind would resort to turning into a beast. As it says that, you know, man would lay with men and, and women with women. And they would, uh, as it says, leave the natural use of their bodies and do those things which is unseemly and receive in themselves a recompense of the air which was met. And that's in uh, Romans, the first chapter. And I, and I don't mean to kind of belabor that point, but going back to uh, Genesis, the sixth chapter and verse number 12, it says that it, God looked upon the earth and found corruption in that the flesh is corruptible. And it says in verse number 13, And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And he tells him to uh, go on and, and, and build... Uh, the ark um, in which he would uh, Noah would fill the earth, fill the ark with his family, um, and uh, you know two of two of every kind of I think it was two of every kind of clean beast and uh, three of every kind of of other beasts and 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 you can read all of that in Genesis the seventh chapter, but uh, I don't want to get too far into the weeds or away from the, the subject. 
sin is a function of what we have and what we carry with us each and every day, uh, or is manifested um, from the lust of the flesh that we carry with us each and every day. It does not matter whether or not um, you know you feel like or you come from a family of, of people who struggle with impulse control. Um, you know, without uh, getting into too many details, I come from a family um, where there are multiple generations where some have had issues with impulse control of whatever kind it is. Is that, is the fact that I have the uh, similar genetics um, excuse me um, from the judgment? You know, the scripture tells us um, in, <clears throat> uh, what is it, 2 uh, Corinthians, the, the fifth chapter and verse number 10. It says, For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Um, does, you know, the, my genetics, the nature of myself as Thomas Garner, does that excuse me from being judged in the body or being judged based off those things that I have done in the body? Is it, is it an excuse that I come from a family of people who have poor impulse control? Will I be able to use that as an excuse uh, when I stand before the judgment seat of God? And we all know the answer to that. We all know the answer to that. We all know that that is not an excuse. That in spite of all the genetic shortcomings and weaknesses that go along with being, in, being a human being on this planet, having the flesh that is common to all flesh, that we must overcome that because we know that no sin and no sinner by virtue will inhabit that place, that new Jerusalem that's spoken of in the book of Revelation in, verse, uh, in chapter 21. If you have your Bibles, <clears throat> please turn to uh, Romans the um, the eighth, or excuse me, Romans the seventh chapter. In Romans the seventh chapter, um, and even before that, before I read that, I apologize. I, I did want to uh, read from. <clears throat> Read from 1 Corinthians, and if you have that available to you, if you want to just go ahead and keep your finger um, there at uh, Romans, the 7th chapter. Um, <clears throat> wanted to uh, read from 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter. In uh, 1 Corinthians, the 6th uh, chapter, it says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And if you look at all of those things, um, it falls right in line with what Paul speaks of um, uh, in the book of uh, Ephesians, 
or excuse me, in the book of Galatians, about uh, the works of the flesh. And he starts off in the book of Galatians by saying, the works of the flesh are these. And all of those works of the flesh are listed here in 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, verses 9 and 10. And very clearly it states that those who uh, are found to be subject to the works of the flesh will not inherit the kingdom of God. If I come from a family of individuals who have an issue with alcoholism or being drunk, and I and I allow myself to um, to buy into this mindset that my alcoholism is the result of my genetics and not the result of conscious decisions that I have made um, at some point in my life, regardless of. And here's what I mean by that. Um, you know, I, I could say one of two things. I could say I learned to be a drunk by mimicking. Um, the, uh, the, by mimicking what I saw as a youngster growing up, or I could say I'm a drunk because it's in my genes to be a drunk because there are multiple generations of drunks in my family. And I don't mean to use that word facetiously. I'm, I'm, uh, I hope you don't find humor or sar uh, sarcasm, um, in my voice. I'm, I'm certainly not trying to put that in there. But what I'm trying to say is that regardless of whether you say it's a function of your genes or regardless of whether you say it's a function of your upbringing, it does not matter. It is completely not relevant because, as it says here, simply and very clearly, if there are no thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor effeminate. And we could talk about effeminate every day of the week, especially certainly in these times where um, it said that homosexuality, um, that that some homosexuals are, are born that way. Um, it's completely irrelevant whether you've been, quote unquote, born that way, or if you learn that, or you, you know, that's a, a function of your nurture. Because God says in his word that no effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind shall inherit the kingdom of God. So what is more powerful than genetics? And what is more powerful than nurture or mimicking uh, or your upbringing? Is there a force on this earth that, that we have access to that can overcome all of that? That in spite of maybe what I had no choice in the matter, I inherited from my parents, again, or regardless of the lifestyle that or the, the environment that I found myself in as a child, again, which is largely uh, out of my control. What is more powerful than that? How can I overcome all of those hurdles and be able to present myself to God at the judgment seat or at the judgment day as, as holy and as perfect as He is? So if you have your Bibles, again, let's look at uh, Romans the seventh chapter where Paul continues this thought about uh, um, the these two natures that exist in us. And again, I want to reflect back on what Gen uh, God said in the book of Genesis, that uh, God said that the that his spirit will not always strive with man, 
but also uh, for, the, for, for the reason that he is also flesh. And Paul talks about this in Romans, the seventh chapter, starting at verse number 13. I'm not going to read all of it uh, for the sake of time, but um, he says in, in verse number 19 in particular, <clears throat> uh, sorry, I'll, I'll read verse number 13 and 14 to kind of set the stage. It says, What then uh, which is good was then that which is good made death unto me, God forbid. But sin that I might appear sin worketh death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, for that which I do I allow not. For what I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that do I. For then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. And that is a hugely powerful statement by an apostle uh, of God. Even as an apostle of God, even having seen Christ in the flesh, he can acknowledge this very real fact that we all deal with each and every day is that if I look into my flesh or in my body, this flesh, this, this carnal nature of mankind, there is no good thing. And sometimes each of us in our lives, we, we, you know, we, we, we make this statement or we began with this statement. I want to do better. I want to be a better person. I don't want to continue to, to, to feel like I have to, to find relief in the bottom of a, uh, of a wine bottle or find relief um, with a, a drug of choice or um, indulge in, in these fleshly desires um, in the form of sexual immorality. I want to be a better person, but it feels like I can't get there because my body is constantly steering me in one direction or another. And Paul, uh, you know, in, in very clear terms says in verse number 18, for the will is present with me, but I don't know how to do it. So there has to be something in, the, in this world, in this universe, that is more powerful, that can, can, that can guide humankind, or Thomas Garner for that matter, in such a way where I can find the pattern, find the way to be a better person, to go beyond my nature or my nurture, whatever one you say is, is more powerful in, in making decisions in your life, whatever the case may be, but um, how can I find that way to be good? <clears throat> it says in verse number 23, <clears throat> um, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? 
I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. And that's a great segue into Romans the 8th chapter. What is, what is the power that exists on this earth that can get us beyond our nature or our nurture as human beings? It's the law, it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ himself is that pattern. Christ himself is that example. Even Jesus Christ was subject to the same temptations, the same weaknesses, the same um, opportunities to sin, as the scripture tells us. But he did not sin, neither was there guile found in his mouth. Where did he find the strength to overcome? He found the strength to overcome, overcome. Jesus even found the strength to overcome by following the words of his father. And going back to what uh, God said in the book of Genesis, through the spirit of God. And I'll read this to you. <clears throat> says in, uh, again, Romans, the eighth chapter, um, starting at verse number four, it says that the righteousness of law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is in enmity, Against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, just as those back in the book of Genesis who did not have the Spirit of God, God again looked down and found that the thoughts of their minds were evil continually, and as a result he destroyed them. Again, going, uh, it's reflected here in verse number 8. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye, you who are, who, uh, who are uh, partakers of the body of Jesus Christ, those of us who have obeyed the gospel and been baptized into that body, and thus been given the gift of the Holy Spirit, it says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. And if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. It says in verse number 13, For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die, but through the power of the Spirit, but if ye live, but if ye through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. And it, and I go back to this statement, is there a power on this earth that is more powerful than the nature and the nurture of flesh, more powerful than the desires that you fill in your mind? It is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is more powerful than all of those things. It can overcome all those things. It can allow you to transcend your nature and your nurture. Whatever that may be, whatever percentage of either or of or that dictates your decisions, again, the Spirit of God can get you beyond that. 
The Spirit of God is the answer to the question of how can I be a better man or a better woman? How can I live righteously? How can I be holy and perfect as God has commanded all of us to be? And God, we thank that he has given us an opportunity to uh, to to have that spirit exist in each and every one of us through baptism. So the lesson is yours. Um, You know, if if and I and and again, I, I don't want to belabor the point, but if you have if your Bible is open Um, Before you kind of go about the rest of your day, I'd encourage you to read Romans, the eighth chapter, verses 19 through 21. Um, The flesh that we have is corrupted. There's no possible way that we can remove that corruption or be or to be those righteous, holy. if you give yourself over to the flesh, you will never hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. It's impossible. It is beyond you. Um, because again, the flesh cannot please God. Period. End of story. I don't, I don't think it is relevant to get into these um, circular logic, philosophical debates on, you know, how much... Your genes play a role in in the in 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 your propensity to sin, or whether it's your upbringing or your environment that has caused you to sin. It's not relevant. God will God doesn't God will not consider those things when we stand before the judgment seat of God, um, because of all the things that we have just read. If you are found, if you die in sin having transgressed the will of God, you will be, uh, or having, by virtue of transgressing the will of God, being, um, by allowing yourself to manifest the works of the flesh, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. You will not be allowed to enter into that new Jerusalem, that place of paradise. Um, But God be thanked this morning that uh, he has given us this day, he's given us an opportunity and I, to, to, to reclaim um, that spirit or the nature of the spirit of God, to, to reconnect with it, if you will, to uh, commit ourselves to following after it. And we can do that this morning. We can all do that this morning. The opportunity exists um, right now while God and, and his son are in our midst to request a prayer of forgiveness to confess that fault, to, to acknowledge that weakness, those moments, those those situations in our lives where we are exposed to the fiery darts of the evil one, um, and ask God for strength and encouragement to continue to live our lives after the pattern of Jesus Christ. Continue to allow uh, to continue to allow the Spirit of God, that force and that power that is greater than our flesh, to guide our decisions and the things that we do. Um, so if you're here, um, we're going to sing the uh, uh, a song of invitation, and afterwards the floor will be open to anyone who needs to request a prayer.